Now, let's jump into Colossians chapter number three and uh, look in verse number 18. That's where we stop. Verse number 18. And it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, let's pray, and we're going to jump right into this. We are looking at the family, the family unit as a whole. How many of y'all know and believe that God is a God of order? God is a God of order. God is not the author of confusion. He wants order. And he designed things and put things together and gave us roles to, to accomplish so that there would be order, so there would be order in the church, so there would be order in the home. And if we do it God's way, there'll be harmony. Say amen. amen. When we get out of God's way and do our own thing, that's when the disharmony happens and, and we all know the rest. Say amen. Well, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, I thank you so much for your mercy. I thank you so much for the privilege of uh, having an air conditioning building. Thank you for the people who are here tonight to learn. Uh, Lord, for those who have gathered at Fairview, uh, we are here to grow. We're here to learn. We're here to be better Christians than we were yesterday. Uh, Lord, we're here to be better husbands. We're going to learn about husbands tonight. God, I pray that you'll restore families. I pray that you will heal families. I pray that you will build families. Uh, Lord, we are in a chaotic world and a chaotic society. And God, I'm glad that we can have order in the home, even if there's disorder in the community. I thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, I praise you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> You may be seated. Uh, last week, actually it was the week before last, but anyway, we'll just say last time. Uh, we, we talked about the wives and the role of the wives in the home. And, and it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's funny when we talk about roles and responsibilities and things we should do and uh, thing, what, the way we should be. It's almost, we, sometimes, especially with husbands and wives. I mean, I, I've, I've dealt with this subject Several times in ministry, uh, in pastoring, if you stay at a place for several years, and I've been here 21 years, you're going you're gonna to cover the same material or the same topic or subject multiple times. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like uh, Peter at the end of, uh, before Jesus goes back to, to heaven, uh, he is telling Peter everything that's going to happen to him. If y'all remember that, when we got to the end of, I believe it was the end of John, uh, he was telling Peter what was going to happen and what was going to take place in his life. And, and, and then he turns around and says, well, what about them? What about them? And Jesus said, you don't need to worry about them. You, you, you handle Peter and I'll take care of them. Say amen. amen. And sometimes when we deal with these type subjects, uh, when we're dealing with the wife, uh, the wife will say, well, what about them? Or when we're dealing with the husband, the husband will say, what about them? And really what we need to do when we're, when we're learning about our roles, whether it's husband or wife, we need to say, Lord, teach me, help me, help me, uh, not, oh, I can't wait till he gets on you and all God's people say it. So ladies, you had two weeks, 
You had two weeks. Don't nobody raise their hand. Nobody make no comment. But just how did you do? Did you spend the two weeks waiting, counting down the day that I was going to give it to them? <laughs> or did you practice what you learned? Did you take an opportunity to affirm your husband? Did you take an opportunity to appreciate him and show him respect and love and affirmation? You see, this is what we're supposed to be doing. It's not about, it's not about what we're going to see them get the other person. What do I need to do? The word, the word doesn't work unless you work it. And, and it only works when you apply what you learn. And this is one of the greatest parts about our, our DMD, our micro churches and our, our, our uh, uh, disciple making groups where we, we study the word and we ask the Lord, what do I need to apply this week? What do I need to do with what I've learned? And then we hold each other accountable to go do what we just learned. And so we need to move past, we need to move past the hearing, the hearing and learning stage to the honoring and living stage. The word doesn't do you no good to learn it if you're not going to live it. And all God's people say it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, ladies, that you learned some things last week that will help you uh, uh, in your role as a wife. And husbands, I hope you're going to learn some things tonight that's going to help you. And husbands, don't worry about your wife's role. And wives, don't worry about your husband's role. Focus on yourself. You can't change him. He can't change you. But you can change you. Amen? Husbands, love your wives. Now, I want to do this. I want to, if, if you'll remember last time, uh, instead of just staying in Colossians, we took all the verses out of the New Testament that deal with the responsibilities of a wife. And we read all of them. So I want to do the same thing uh, with the husbands. It says in Colossians 3 verse 18, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. In 1 Peter 3 verse 7, it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, talking about the wife, dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even, he didn't just say love your wife, he, now he tells you how to love them. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. That's some pretty good stuff.
That's some pretty good stuff. Now, let's just take our notes tonight. Let's take our notes and kind of kind of drift through this and, and, and just take out what we just read. The first thing I want you to see, husbands, is your role. The role God has given you as a husband. The role that you have. Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the, all the men, for the husband is the head. You're the head. Even as Christ is the head of the church. All right. The word head means chief. It means leader. It means commander. One who has the first rank. Now, let's look at, let's put these together. Let's study this word. It says in Ephesians 5, 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even, what's the next two words? Even, uh uh-oh, got got a little weak right there. Even, okay, now what does that mean? And whatever Jesus did, that's what we're supposed to do. However Jesus did it, That's how we're supposed to do it. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. All right, now let's go into detail about that. Let's see what Jesus has to say about being the chief. Ladies, look at your husband and call him chief. Yeah, I figured that. Matthew 20. Now when I read this, you're going to wish you had. Matthew 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him. And he said, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your... Now watch. And whosoever will be among you, let him be your... See, you missed a chance, ladies. You missed a chance. Now watch this. Watch this. Whoever will be chief. The husband is the head of the wife. What is the first definition given for the head? Come on, guys. Chief. Whoever will be chief. Verse 27, Matthew 20. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your even, you remember? Now we've done covered this. We've done covered this. As Christ, so do we. We love as he loved. We do what he did. Are y'all with me? So how did, watch this now, verse 28. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto. Now that word minister means serve. It means a servant. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So, gentlemen, as the head of the wife, it is your primary responsibility to serve her and meet her needs. According to the Bible. That's what it means to be chief. Your primary responsibility 
is to serve her and to meet her needs. It is your responsibility. It is your responsibility. Did you, did you notice that in none of these verses, it said for you, and I'm speaking to husbands, so let's just, anytime I say you, y'all gonna know who I'm talking about unless I designate. Guys, nowhere in these verses does it say to make your wife submit. Not one single verse. Not one single time does it say for you to quote that to her. Or remind her that it's in there. You know what it says to you? Serve her. Serve her. Meet her needs. Why? Because you're supposed to do it as Jesus did. And when Jesus came, that's what he did. Does this make sense? So as a husband, your primary responsibility, your biblical responsibility is to meet her needs. Now, as the head... As the head, you're to serve her in these three ways. There's more ways, but these are, the, this, these are the most important. Let's write this down. A, you're to serve her as a provider. As a husband, your role is a provider. Your role is a provider. You're to meet her physical needs. You're to make sure she has food to eat. You're to make sure she has clothes to wear. You're to make sure she has a home to go to. According to scripture, 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's what, that's what God said. Men, it's your job. Now, now let me say this. <clears throat> We live in a different world and we live in a different society where everybody's working and, and all of that, but that's not God's design. It's God's design for the man to provide. The man is to be the breadwinner. Now I know I, and I'm going to get emails. Now I'm just telling you God's biblical design. You can take whatever you want from it and do whatever. I'm just telling you what God said. Amen. Now, if we do what God said, we're supposed to do this. When my, when my father, I told my, my dad, I, I was in, in, in Bible college and I called my dad and, and I said, dad, I found the one. He said, is that right? Now, now keep in mind, I was living at the golf course. There was a, there was a, uh, an apartment above the clubhouse at the golf course that they let me stay in for free while I worked at the, 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 the golf course, the country club going to Bible college. I was, I was suffering for Jesus. <clears throat> And I mean, I had it free, free. Uh, they let me stay in it free. I mean, a big screen TV, restaurant below. I had it made in the shade. Say amen. But my father knew that if I got married, then I had to move out. I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. And he, and he, man, he played me like a fiddle. We were talking on the phone. I said, yeah, dad, I, I believe I found the one. I'm going to ask her to marry, marry me. I think this is the one. He says, is that right? I said, yes, sir. And, uh, and uh, he said, well, where are you going to live? I said, well, we're probably going to stay with her mama, I guess, and, until I, he said, well, then I ain't going to marry you. I said, do what? He said, I'm not going to do the wedding. I said, why ain't you going to do the wedding? He said, if you're not man enough to have a home for her to move into, you're not man enough to get married. And y'all know my father well enough, he meant it. And guess what? 
I found a place. It's about yay wide. <laughs> Had roaches that big. All we had was love, amen. (laughs) But he meant it. He said, son, this is what he told me. I'll never forget it. He said, when you take her hand from her father, you're relinquishing her father's responsibility of caring for her, and it's your job now. And when I said I do, from that moment on, I paid all her bills, put a roof over her head, put food in her mouth, and clothes on her back. Because that's my role. That's my job. That's what God designed me for. I'm a provider. If you don't provide, you're worse than an infidel. Now, obviously, there are situations with disability and things of that nature. We we all know that. I'm just telling you the biblical roles, all right? Now, B, as as a husband, you're a provider. You're to provide for her physical needs. B, you're a protector. You're a protector. The Bible says we're to honor her as the weaker vessel. God always expects the strong to protect the... 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. We're to protect her. Guys, why do you think God made your bones bigger and made your muscles bigger and made you uglier? That's why you're tough and rough. That's why you don't operate in feelings. Stuff that hurts her feelings don't mean nothing to you. Because God designed you to go out there in this old crazy world. It's kill or be killed. It's, it's, it's the survival of the fittest. God designed you that way. So stuff doesn't bother you. So, so you don't even think about stuff. You go out there because God wants you to protect your weaker vessel. Listen, the bone that was taken to create Eve, to create your significant other. That bone was not taken out of your head. She's not supposed to dominate you. It was not taken out of your foot for you to dominate her. It was taken out of your side underneath your arm closest to your heart. That's where you protect her. That's your job. You're to defend her. You're to protect her. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not strong enough to protect her. That's what Smith and Wesson is for. <laughs> All men were created by God, but Sam Colt made them equal. Say amen. That's your job. Listen, you serve your wife as her provider. You serve your wife as her protector. You serve your wife as her priest. You are to lead in spiritual matters. You're not only to meet her physical needs, you're not only to honor her as the weaker vessel and protect her. God has given you that responsibility to protect her. You're also to lead her spiritually. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, watch this now, watch this, this is so important. The husband is the head of the wife, even as, even as Christ is the head of the church. So as Christ does, we do. Say amen, men. What Christ does, we do. Watch what Christ does. Husbands, excuse me, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Watch what he does. Watch what he does to the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the 
word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You say, preacher, what is Christ doing? He is putting her, the church, under the influence and the atmosphere of the word of God. You don't, listen men, you don't expose your wife to wickedness or evil. You don't take her places that would cause her to sin. You don't ask her to do things that would cause sin in her life. You expose her to God's word. She should never have to ask you if you're going to church. She should never have to ask you if you're going to serve God. You're the man. You're the priest. You're the leader in the home. You're supposed to make sure that church is there. You're supposed to make sure that God is the home. Not the woman. Thank God for godly women. Thank God for godly women. When the men don't step up. But men, we need to step up. It's our role. It's not our, listen, men, it's not the, the, it's not the wives role to make sure the kids learn about God. It's your role. And men have stepped aside for generation after generation. And if it hadn't been for godly women, the church would be in horrible shape today. It already is in horrible shape, but it would be probably non-existent because men have not accepted and received the role that they have as the leader, spiritual leader in their home. But we're the priests in the home. It says, in it, watch this now, let me give you further proof. Ephesians 6, 4. Ye fathers, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Watch this, everybody, all the men, all the men, all the men. I don't care if you're single, read it anyway. Read it with me. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the, who did he say that to? Fathers. Which would, re, which would correspond to the husband's. So whose responsibility is it to make sure your kids know the Lord? The husband. And all God's people see it. So we see the husband's role. Let's, let's, let's review. Okay, I don't have my clock. I, I know you're going to give me the five sign, but I need to, I need to kind of, where am I at right now? We're, we're, 35 minutes left? Okay, good. We got good. We're in good shape. Okay, let's review. Let's review the role real quick. Husbands, husbands, all the men, give me the roles. He is a... Everybody say it loud. He is a... Men, B, he is a... He's a protector. C, he is a... He's a priest, okay? He's a, he should be the spiritual leader in the home. And, and let me say this. Let me say this, guys. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy to be spiritual. I know it's not easy to read your Bible. I know it's not easy to pray. But let me tell you something. Make an effort. Make an effort. I was sitting on the couch one day, and my daughter, my daughter, is, 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 y'all ever heard this thing, this exercise thing called insanity? The title's perfect. She said, come on, dad, do some insanity with me. I said, think about what you're saying. She said, oh, dad. I said, man, I'm so slow. You're going, she wants me to get up and run with her. I said, man, I can't, I'm so out of shape. You, I, I, I'm slow. And this is what she told me. I'll never forget it. She said, dad, no matter how slow you are, you're lapping the ones on the couch. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Think about that. Guys, this is what I mean. 
No matter how slow you are in this, if you're making an effort, you're lapping the ones on the couch. So make an effort, okay? Make an effort. All right, number two. Number two, we see the husband's responsibilities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something I've seen I've never seen. I've never seen. When we get down to D, but look at the first one. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Say it with me. Husbands, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So our first responsibility is to love our wife. Our first responsibility is to love our wife. He, he didn't just tell you to do it. He told you how. And what way. This is, not a, this is not in a romantic way. This is not the word used for eros or, or, or erotic love. It's talking about a love that's chosen. It's a choice. You're choosing to love this person. I like the verse that says, but God commendeth his love. The word commend means to put on display. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? He loved us when we were unlovable. So when we were unlovable, there wasn't, a, there wasn't anything attractive about us. Matter of fact, they were nailing him to a cross. He forgave and loved the ones that were in the act of nailing him to a cross. Men, what does that mean? That means we choose to love them even when we don't like them. We choose to love them even when they're unlovable. It is a sacrificial love. It is a serving love. It is a love where, and it says, it goes into great detail. It says, love them like you love you. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I love me. Y'all with me? And you love you. And when you, you, you walk through, the, you walk through the, the, the room at night and, and, and kick your toe. You'll think your toe is unimportant at that moment. And that moment is the most important thing in your life. You do everything to protect you. You do everything to, 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 to take care of you. You love you. If you're cold, you will look for a jacket. If you're hot, you'll look for an AC. If you're hungry, you'll look for food. If you're thirsty, you'll, why? You're going to nourish you. You're going to cherish you. You're going to care about you. If you're sick, you're going to get some medicine because you love you. And we're to love them like we love ourselves. That's the kind of love that God expects. See, we're to love our wife. That's our responsibility. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. Everybody, all the men say this with me. It's a choice. Come on, everybody. All the men, all the men, it's a choice. Not a feeling. You're not always going to feel in love. You're not always going to feel in like, much less in love. But you're choosing this. You're choosing this. God chose to love us. B, we're to know our wife. We're to know our wife. 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with them according to knowledge. How well do you know your wife? I might venture to say not as well as you think. One of the biggest arguments that many wives have is you don't know me. You don't listen to me. You don't hear me. 
But the Bible says it's our responsibility to know them. You know know why God didn't give this command to women? Because he didn't have to. Why do you make a rule? Because they've done something wrong. He gave this rule to men because he knew we would need it. He didn't give it to women because they don't have to. They're going to know you. They're going to seek you. They're going to pursue you. They're going to investigate you. They're going to want to communicate with you. Most communication problems happens on the male side. Not always. It's not, it's not universal, but most of the time. It's the men that don't want to talk. It's the men that don't want to communicate. Communication, investigation, observation. Ask questions. Ask questions. Me and my wife is, have been in counseling. <clears throat> been having some difficulties and... and, uh, and uh, one of, the, one of the things that, that, that Dr. Finch has helped us with, he gave us a box with uh, open-ended questions. And he said, what's an open-ended question? It's one that you can't say yes or no. You got to say something. And I hated it. <laughs> and you have, to, you have to communicate. But once we started doing it, I liked it. And I was enjoying it. I was learning things. Listen, one of the things that I notice about couples all the time, especially couples that have been married a long time, is that one of the first things that shuts down is communication. You go to a restaurant, you can tell who's married and you can tell who's dating. Those that are dating are talking and those who are married are eating. <laughs> and we stop, we break down. The communication stops and we really don't know them. But God has given the command to the husbands, this is our responsibility to know her. Know what makes her laugh. Know what makes her smile. Know what makes her mad. Know what makes her scared. Know, know, just know. And you're not going to know unless you make an effort. See, there's so much more I want to say right there, but see. Our responsibility is to love our wife. Our responsibility is to know our wife. Our responsibility is to honor our wife. Honor our wife. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving, everybody, honor. come on, giving honor. honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The word honor means cherish. Really, it means value. It means value to the highest degree. That's what the definition, excuse me, of the word. To cherish or to value to the highest degree. Now, in my mind, I was like, okay, how can I illustrate this? How can I illustrate this? Um... You don't see this a whole lot in, in, in modern day young couples and all that. But when I was growing up, when I was growing up, uh, uh, my mom had this cabinet. <clears throat> my mom had this cabinet with a glass front and everything. Uh, what do you call that, ladies? China a China cabinet. There you go. China cabinet. And you know what was in the China cabinet? It was guns. No, I'm kidding. It was China. It was. It was China. It was. It was, what do they call that? What kind of china? Fine. Fine china. And it stayed in the cabinet. And it was only pulled out for special occasions. 
My mom loved that fine china. And it was special. And you better be careful when you washed it and dried it and put it away. Because it was, it was valuable. Valuable. And the value wasn't necessarily in the price as much as at what it meant to her. So it was kept in a special place. Only used at special times. It was handled delicately and with great care. Because it was highly valued. Men, according to this verse... Your wife is like fine china. Fine china. Not in, not in the delicate way. I always thought because it, you, right after it says the weaker vessel, we're supposed to like handle our wives with kid gloves, you know, we just because they're real fragile and delicate. And I found out my wife ain't fragile at all. <laughs> I believe she'll swing on somebody. <clears throat> And no, she's not here tonight, <laughs> amen. <laughs> she's picking up my mother-in-law, and I hope they're not tuning in, amen. <laughs> That's not what this means. I, I always thought that. You're to honor her like that fine china, because the, the china is delicate and fragile, and it could break and crack. No. It means you're to value her. You're to value her. Listen, because she's valuable to you. Now, now, ladies, ladies, don't don't be sitting in here feeling sorry for yourself right now because he's not that good at it. We're learning. And and as we're learning this, we're going to start applying this. Right, men? That's why we're here. To be better. We didn't come to church because we were supposed to. We didn't come to, we're not getting a check in heaven because we showed up to the house of God. We come to learn the word and know how to be a better husband. So guys, don't make a liar out of me. Start practicing this. Amen? Value her. Value her. Let her know she's valuable. And this goes both ways. That's why I asked you ladies. Did you show appreciation to your husband this past two weeks? You let him know. Listen, there's men walking out on their wives every day. But yours didn't. Did you tell him you're glad he hung around? Listen, if he's, did did you let him know that you appreciate him? Men, do you value your wife? You say, why should I do that? Because the Bible says if a man findeth a wife, he findeth a good thing. A good thing. She's a help me. Maybe, maybe she doesn't act that way because you haven't shown that. You may speak harshly. The tone of your voice, the way you talk to her. Maybe she doesn't Behave in a way because of the way that you've responded to her. 
Most men are action. The way God designed the wife is reaction. And most of her reaction is a reaction to our action. So, we need to honor them. We need to honor them, cherish them, value them. Ask God to help you do that. Ask God to see the value that they bring into your life. And don't wait till you don't have them. Don't wait till you don't have them. And ladies, don't wait till you don't have them to show them appreciation. Because I've got like 40 ladies in one strong that would love to be able to show theirs appreciation, but now they can't. Don't wait till it's too late. Men, men, let's review. Our responsibility, A, is to... All the men, real loud. Our responsibility, A, is to... Love. love our wife. Say the whole thing. Love our wife. B. Love our wife. C. And this is the one that I saw. And I've never seen before. I mean, I've seen it and I read it, but I didn't, I didn't get it. We have a responsibility... To forgive our wife. To forgive our wife. What are you talking about? It's right there in Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives. And read it with me. And say it again. Say it again. Now... Everybody look at me. You got to look at me. You got to look because I got to explain this. Bitterness. He said, don't be bitter against them. Don't be bitter against them. Bitterness is a response to unforgiveness. For instance, when somebody is wounded and they refuse to forgive the person who wounded them, they develop bitterness. And the bitterness is from unforgiveness. Say it with me. Bitterness is from unforgiveness. Somewhere along the line, there's a wound. And if we don't forgive the person that injured us or wounded us, we will become bitter against that. Not just against that person. We would just become bitter, period. Bitter people. Wound. How many of y'all have heard the phrase wounded people wound people? You know why? Because they're bitter. And bitterness creates more pain and more trauma. And we begin to spew that bitterness onto everybody. And God specifically told the husband, I don't see anywhere, I don't see anywhere where he says that to the wife, but he does say that to the husband. Don't be bitter against them. I'm thinking, why? What is the deal with this? Why would he just all of a sudden come out and say, hey, don't be bitter against your wife? And then, man, it's like the Holy Spirit just started talking to me. Bitterness is is a result of not forgiving a wound. Who is he saying don't be bitter to who? The wife. So it is the wife that has wounded the husband. And the husband is not supposed to be bitter. He is supposed to forgive the wound. Now, Pay close attention to this, men and ladies. God designed the man 
God designed the man almost, almost bulletproof emotionally, almost bulletproof physically. He's rough. He's tough. He's big bone, big muscle. He doesn't operate in feelings. He doesn't, he's not real emotional type person. God created him that way to go out into the world and kill or be killed. Drag it, kill it, drag it back to the cave. Say amen. Amen. That's the way God designed him. So when stuff happens, it don't bother him that much like it would bother you. Because God designed you as a nurturer. God designed you soft and, 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 and you're, 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 you're connected with your emotions and your feelings. That's how God designed you, but not us. It's almost like we have a set of armor that protects us against things so that we can go out and work. So we can go out in a crazy world and provide for our families. So we can protect against uh, evil from and protect our wife and our children and our families. There's almost a set of armor there that protects us against wounds. Except the wounds from our wives. Because see, she is close to us. She's on this side of the armor. She is under our arm, closest to our heart. Ladies, no one can injure as quickly or as deeply your spouse like you can. When it doesn't matter if nobody in the world respects us, if our spouse respects us. It doesn't matter if anybody on the whole planet cares about us if our spouse cares about us. And on the flip side, it doesn't matter if the whole world respects us and thinks we're the greatest thing in the world. If our wives don't respect us and love us, we feel like a failure. You're on the inside, spouses. You're on the inside, ladies. You can wound them when nobody else can. You can wound them deeper than anybody else can. You can wound them quicker than anybody else can. So men, you have to be forgiven. You have to be forgiven. You have to be willing to be like Christ. Christ is being nailed to a cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Men, you've got to be willing when you get cut and it's deep, you've got to be willing to know she didn't mean that. She knoweth not what she does. You've got to forgive her. Because bitterness is a result of unforgiveness. Have you ever noticed, <clears throat> have you ever noticed that you can be with each other. Phone rings. And you go, well, hey, Susie. Goodbye. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we treat total strangers better than we treat our own spouses? I'm talking husbands and wives here. We're so close. We're connected. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall become. Two warnings here. Ladies, be careful. Ladies, be careful. Because nobody on this planet can wound them like you can. Nobody on this planet can 
wound them as quick or as deep. And men, all the men look at me. All the men look at me. They're human. It may feel like a deeper wound and it may feel like a worse wound. But it's really still human. So forgive them. Forgive them. As Christ, so as Christ, so do we. And all God's people say it. Let me say this about bitterness. How how are we? Six minutes? Huh? Fifteen minutes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Men, bitterness is drinking poison hoping somebody else dies. That's That's what bitterness is. Bitterness creates anger. Bitterness creates fatigue. Bitterness creates depression. I, I sometimes in counseling, I will draw on a board. I'll draw this seed underneath the ground. How many of y'all have ever seen monkey grass? Have you ever seen monkey grass? That, that, it just sprouts up, don't it? Out of the seed. And, and anybody ever had a grandma or mama make you go pick weeds out the garden? What do they tell you when you go? What do they tell you? Say it again. Get it all by the root. What happens if you mow monkey grass off? Come right back. If you don't get the root. Well, the bitterness is the root. You know what springs out of bitterness? Fatigue. Depression. Trust issues. Listen, anger, anger's big. Insomnia. All of them are symptoms. The problem is the root. Some of y'all can solve your anger problems and your trust problems if you'll learn to dig the root out. And the shovel that digs the root out is called forgiveness. Now, I don't know why I'm going into all that. That's probably because I got 15 minutes. A man went to his psychologist, psychiatrist. Well, me and my wife got into it again. So, well, what happened? So, every time we go to... Dealing with something, she gets all historical on me. He said, historical? You mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. (laughs) Brings up all kinds of stuff. And me and we do too. That was just for the sake of the joke. If you're in the habit of getting historical, you've got past wounds you haven't forgiven. Because when you've truly forgiven them, you've truly let them go. And you're healed from them. And they don't hurt no more. So if you're getting historical, you might need to do some forgiving. 
But husbands, you got a responsibility to love your wife, to know your wife, to honor your wife. And when she's hurt you deeply, to forgive your wife. To forgive your wife. Now, now ladies, don't take from this that I, I think or I believe that husbands can't wound you deeply. I'm not saying that. I know they can. But maybe the Lord put this in here is because it's easier for you to forgive them than it is for us to forgive you guys. I don't know. But I do know this. He specifically told and warned the man about forgiveness. So, I do know this. No matter who it is, we all need to be forgiven. Amen? Amen? Amen. No, let's, let's finish up with this. Number three. Husbands. <clears throat> Husbands, let's, let's review, let's review, let's, let's review too, right? Husbands' responsibilities, A, all the men, A, B, C, D, forgive our wives. Number three, we see the husband's reminder, don't forget about this. Don't forget about this. Let's all, all read, all the men, read Proverbs eighteen twenty two. Everybody read, let's read it together. Whoso findeth a wife, that means she's a favor from God to you. God done you a favor. And all the ladies say it. That was a little too enthusiastic. (laughs) I want to say this. I want to say this because we got time. There are so many spouses, men and women, that are sitting at home grieving over not having their soulmate. Thinking that there's this this person somewhere on the planet that's the one God planned for them and they missed it. That's the stupidest thing you could ever think. There is no such thing as a soulmate. Because we're all sinners. When you say I do, that's your soulmate. You know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the old days, all marriages were planned and assigned by the parents. And they talk about the good old days. The word I was looking for is arranged. Sometimes they would not even see the person or know the person till the wedding day. But then they began a process of learning. Say it with me. Begin a process of how to love their spouse. How many of y'all know? How many of y'all know? I don't care how long you dated. When as soon as that ring went on, there was a chemical imbalance that took place. And you have no idea what you took home with you? Come on. I'm right on the platform. You know I ain't lying. 
It's amazing how somebody can live together for, for two or three years and then get married and divorce in three months. You don't really know somebody till you live with them and make that commitment to where there's nobody else. And you know what? Most experts and most uh, uh, marriage counselors, marriage experts, Say the first couple years is the euphoric stage and most divorces take place at right after the two or three year period because then reality sets in. And then you have to choose. You do it on purpose. You don't you don't care for that person or serve the person or sacrifice for the other person because you have that fuzzy feeling on the inside. You do it because you said I do and you meant it. Are y'all with me? We have to learn this stuff. We have to apply it. So here's the reminder. Here's what we go home with. We got a good thing. Husbands, look at your wife right now and say, baby, I got a good thing. Yeah, you did. All right, ladies, tell him right now. You know that's right. You sure did. Amen. Amen. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Amen. Okay. Hey, let's hurry. Let's hurry. I'm sorry. I didn't hear what that was over there, but I wish I had. Huh? Take my time. You didn't say that last week. All right. All right. You know, there seemed to be a little more levity tonight than there was two weeks ago, wasn't there? Hey, hey, that's because I'm scared of women. Hey, man, that's why. Okay, here's a reminder. Husbands, she's to submit to you. But remember this. A- Our spouses are fully equal in Christ. Our spouses are fully equal in Christ. Now, there were some people that got up and left early. Some, you know, I heard that some said that they couldn't do what I was saying about the submissive thing. And you shut me off and I told you not to do that. I told you to wait to the very, very end. Because if you waited to the very, very end, you learn this, that you're equal in everything. You make decisions together. You are partners. You are completely equal. The submission part comes when you have prayed about it and you have talked about it and you just cannot come to an agreement on a certain decision. It is that point when you must submit to the headship of your husband and trust him. Are y'all with me? This doesn't mean he goes around dominating you and ordering you around. That's stupid. That's not biblical and that's not what God's talking about. But if you left early, you missed it. Spouses are fully equal. Listen. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. 1 Peter 3, 7. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and, everybody read it, as being. Say it again, as being. One more time, of the grace of life. You're fully equal in Christ. 
Now watch this. Not only are our spouse fully equal in Christ, but men, our treatment of them affects our prayer life. The way we treat our spouse will affect our prayer life. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Wow. I haven't found, I haven't found that anywhere else in Scripture. Anywhere else in Scripture that our prayers can be hindered. But men, he's telling us, the way we treat our wife will determine whether God listens to us or not. So don't think you're going to cuss her out at home and then come here and sing Jesus loves me and then act like all and then that God's going to be pleased with you. You better be careful how you treat her. She belongs to the king. She's a king's daughter. You know, I just remember something. <clears throat> My future son-in-law is a Marine. He's a big one too. But I don't care about that because Sam Cole made me equal. <laughs> and I showed him. But he, he, made a, he made a post. He made a post. And I'm saying this for a reason. He made a post and said, 20 days and I get to marry this beautiful woman and had several pictures of my daughter. And there was people commenting on, oh, congratulations, congratulations, and but she's beautiful, and she's beautiful. And I was all good with that. And then one of his friends said, she better make you happy. Now, I know what he meant, but I didn't take it too well. I thought to myself, she ain't better do nothing. You better make her happy. Boy, I could feel, I could feel the daddy rise up in me. <laughs> and he didn't mean, he didn't mean nothing about it, but I, I'm, I'm her daddy. I can't help it, man. As soon as I saw that, I said, like, what? <laughs> I was thinking real unspiritual at the moment. And you know what? Just now, the Holy Spirit reminded me. I wonder what the Heavenly Father thinks about the way you're treating his daughter. Anyway, I know I got some repenting to do to me too. Not only will our treatment of them affect our prayer life, but watch this. Men, you know, the head of the home, the head of the wife. You remember that verse y'all so excited to read a while ago? Chief, captain. Leader, watch this. Obey them that have the rule over you. The Bible told us in Genesis that Adam was to rule over Eve and that men would rule over their wives. Part of the curse was that she would desire to dominate him and tell him what to do, but he would have the responsibility to lead and rule. So look at this. Obey them that have the rule over you. 
The woman is to obey the husband that has the rule over her. And submit yourselves. But watch this. For they watch for your souls. Are you captain and chiefs in here? As they that must. Come on. As they that must. Our treatment of those we lead will be accounted for one day. Our treatment, our treatment for those we lead, we will give an account for one day. Now, all the men look at me. All the men, all the men, all the husbands. One day, we're going to stand before God and give account for our leadership. Now, let's, let's, from this point on, let's, from this point on, I don't want you to go around with your head down because how, how lousy you've been up until this point. The past is the past. And ladies, don't remind them how bad they've been up until this point. <laughs> Men, let's, let's, let's start being what we're supposed to be. Amen. Let's start loving. Let's start serving them. Ask them every day, what can I do to make your life easier? Men's practice. practice. Let's practice. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to say it anyway. Let's practice. Come on, men. What can I do? Come on, say it with me. I'm going to say it first. You say it. What can I do to make your life easier? Say it again. All right, and ladies, we're not mind readers. Okay? There ain't a single man in this room that's psychic. Might be psycho. But there ain't a psychic man in this room. We cannot read your minds. And all the men say it. Help us. Make a list for God's sake. We want to make you happy. But sometimes we don't know what it is. Don't say, well, you should know. We don't. I know we should, but we need a little help sometimes. Amen? If she says, would you help me with the dishes? What do you need to do? Help her with the dishes. Hello? Sometimes, sometimes the most romantic thing you can do is the dishes. The sexiest thing you can put on is dish pan hands. <laughs> and all the ladies say it. I seen, I seen a, man, I shouldn't say this. Stand up, we got to quit. <laughs> oh, but it's funny. Mm. Listen, let's, let's make an effort. None of this is easy. It's not easy. It's not easy for the, the wife to trust the husband when he's been kind of inconsistent. But you're commanded to. You're to love him. You're to respect him. Now think about this. Think about this. Men, you're supposed to serve her, protect her, provide for her. Ladies, you're supposed to respect him 
and honor Him. And that's connected to His greatest need and connected to your greatest need. But guess what? Both of those were cursed. Both of those were cursed. But let's go. I'm just saying that to let you know that none of this stuff we're talking about is easy. But it's doable. We can do this. But we're going to have to make an effort. And all God's people say it.